Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today is part four of a four-part series looking at the great cities of the Bible. And today we look at Jerusalem. It all begins and ends with Jerusalem. But wait, let's back up a bit. It really all begins and ends with God. Before the foundation of the world, God determined in his mind and heart to select a people for himself to have fellowship with, Ephesians 1.4. He began with Adam and Eve, then made covenants through Noah, Abraham, David, and the entire people Israel. He revealed his extended operations and dealings with man by grafting in the Gentiles, all the world, to his promises of redemption and grace through faith with any person who repents to Jesus, God's son. Now, through all this, Jerusalem has remained for almost the entire period the central city of God. Earlier named Salem, when we meet King Melchizedek of Salem, the city of Jerusalem is the true eternal city. Not Rome, as man has dubbed that ancient urban center. Now, Jerusalem, the eternal city, Psalm 46.4, Revelation 3.12, is God's city where he has set his name. 1 Kings 11.36, 2 Chronicles 12.13. It's the city in which Emmanuel will dwell in all his glory. Zechariah 8.3, calling it Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Ezekiel 48.35, it is the nickname he uses when he calls his people. Zechariah 3.12, and when Jesus returns, quote, then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of Yahweh of hosts will be called the holy mountain says Zechariah 8.3. Well, it's a place that figures solely as the most important land and city and people in the history of the earth. And all of history is dwindling down to one focal point, Jerusalem. So let's take a look at this incredible place. Now, in all of history, there's never been a distinct people group who dwelled outside of a national homeland for thousands of years, yet retained their identity like the Jewish people have. There's never been a people on earth restored to their homeland after dozens of generations. There's never been a case where generations upon generations who forgot their own language and let it die had it restored to the entire nation. No people except for God's people, in God's land, and in God's city, Jerusalem. This is God's hand to sustain his people like this. This tiny nation, and it is a tiny nation, is mighty in many ways because her very existence has generated hate and war since her birth. Just existing provokes the entire world into hating her. Allowing 
Jerusalem and Israel to make her own sovereign decisions as a nation inflames the world, which is Satan. Ancient maps placed Jerusalem in the center of their page. They knew that Jerusalem is God's city and is the fulcrum of history, the axle of the wheel and the center of the world stage. In the Jewish tradition, the ark in the temple of Jerusalem, through which God dealt with his people, through the high priest, it is the foundation marking the navel of the world. Ezekiel 5.5 says, this is Jerusalem. I have set her at the center of the nations. We read a similar reference in Ezekiel 38.2, to seize spoil and carry off plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited, and the people who were gathered from the nations, who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell at the center of the earth. End quote from the verse, Ezekiel 38.2. And what of this land itself? What is it like? Well, it's wonderful. At the blog, you'll see several pictures showing Israel from the deserts of the southern Negev to the snow-capped mountains to the north and the 270 miles of coastline along the Mediterranean and to the frontier and desert at the east. It's a very diverse land. Next, we see Jerusalem is high. Jerusalem, the city itself, is about 2,500 feet in elevation. And it sits on a plateau within a range of mountains which surround it and nestle it sort of like God's hand surrounding the city with ramparts. This includes the Mount of Olives, which we're very familiar with, and Mount Scopus. And then as a result, valleys surround the city. We read in the Psalms, some of them are Psalms of Ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T, because when Jews make the annual trek to the city for Passover, they climbed to the old city. They were ascending. Speaking of the mountains, we read in Psalm 125, 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so Yahweh surrounds his people from now until forever. And many mountains do surround the city. Some count the peaks numbering seven and refer to Revelation 17, 9 verse that describes a city of seven mountains upon which the harlot sits as Jerusalem and not Rome. Some people have counted the mountains of seven surrounding Jerusalem and named them as Mount Scopus, Mount of Olives, Mount of Corruption. How would you like to live on that mountain? Mount Ophel, Mount Zion or Moriah. This is the Temple Mount. New Mount Zion, and the peak on which the Roman uh, fortress Antonia was built. Now, with mountains comes valleys, and the Kidron Valley runs to the east of Old Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives is actually beyond that valley, 
a bit separated from the actual Old City. Along the southern side of Old Jerusalem is the Valley of Hinnom. It's a very steep ravine. And that is where Hel or Gehenna is mentioned, where the trash heaps blazed night and day in fire. In biblical times, there were lush forests that surrounded the city, the forests of almond, and pine, and olive. Those forests are gone now. Due to the steep incline, farmers used a terracing system to keep the soil in place, and you can still see those terraces today. Now, I had mentioned that Jerusalem was the primary city for the Israelites for most of their life, but in the early years of the Israelite kingdom, the Ark of the Covenant was sometimes moved around to several different sanctuaries, especially those of Shechem and Shiloh. Shiloh was the capital for almost 400 years before the temple was built. Jeremiah 7.12a says, But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at the beginning. After King David's capture of Jerusalem, the ark was moved there. Its presence signified the presence of the Lord within the Holy of Holies. But sadly, the people's idolatry and their bloodshed and their disobedience meant that eventually the glory would depart from the temple. This is described in Ezekiel chapters 9 and 10. This happened in advance of the Babylonian sacking of the temple. In fact, God's glory would never again occupy a temple or a building on earth. Now today, the original glorious temple is mostly gone. There's only the grounds and the western wall, which is a retaining wall, are left of the original building. But atop the grounds lies the Dome of the Rock, the third most holy site in Islam. Will there be a third temple? Some believe so, that the events of Ezekiel 37 indicate a future restoration of the temple with Jesus bodily present and with his people. We read the verse from Ezekiel 7, and the nations will know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in the midst forever. Now, Jerusalem today is a bustling city at the intersection of three religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. One day, the so-called city of truth will know only one true religion, and its inhabitants will worship Yahweh properly. And what a day that will be. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful day. Thank you.